Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest, William Lee, chief economist at Milken Institute. Bill, thanks very much for joining us. I wonder if you agree that we, we may be entering a period here where the market will focus more on what the Fed does than what the Fed says. So you had very hawkish commentary from uh, Jay Powell today, but investors haven't completely gotten on board yet with his new guidance that calls for rates over 5% next year. So do we need to let the data do the talking? Well, Brian, it's really amazing that um, the, for the last uh, several months since Jackson Hole, the markets have insisted on wanting to hear a message that the Fed is not telling them. <laughs> it's almost like a recalcitrant child. You know, tell me what I want to hear and not what I don't want to hear. And, and, and I think what we, we have to see is that this time the, the dot plots show that the, the Fed is really very clear and almost unanimous in saying we're going to be raising rates to above 5 percent. In fact, 17 out of 19 FOMC members said we're going to push rates up and we're going to keep it there as long as it takes to bring inflation back to two percent and we're willing to take the cost of higher unemployment and slower growth now that message is something that the markets are insisting on not hearing yeah 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 and yeah and then how restrictive does policy need to stay you know where they are now bill or, or how much higher because you know powell has talked about it's not about whether rates heat hit the peak but really the duration how long and how high that hold is going to be. How long do you think it has to be? Absolutely, Yvonne. And, and, and that's really the key to Powell's many messages. He's telling everyone, look, I'm going to have to channel Volcker because you guys are not believing me. Volcker had the toughest time in the world because he, he had unbelievable uh, period of unanchored inflation expectations where no one believed inflation would ever get back to anywhere near single digits. Uh, and so he had to raise rates up to very high levels and keep them there. And, and Powell's saying, I'm going to have to do that if you guys don't believe me. So actually take into account what I say and start to behave that way. Uh, stop spending as much as you are doing. Um, slow down in, in, uh, in your spending so that we can bring supply and demand back into balance, especially in services. S you know, ease up on your vacation, right? That overpriced airplane ticket and the overcrowded airports are things that you don't have to put up with. And if you don't put up with it, the prices will come down. And that's his message. And, and more importantly, to the wage setting people, you know, if you're setting wages at five and six percent, you know that's not sustainable given a 2% inflation world, given the productivity we've seen. So ease up on the wage demands and, 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 and ease up on, on the labor market tightness that we've been seeing. They don't see inflation getting back to around 2% until 2025. And if it's, if it's true that we have high rates for the next three years, that must not be good for equities, right? Uh, particularly given that they're also only expecting growth at a half a percent. I, that, that was one of Powell's key messages today. He said, monetary policy transmission works through financial conditions, and equity market is part of financial conditions. He even said, 
if we find equity markets uh, easing up and, and rising in anticipation of our pivot, we're going to have to raise rates even more to compensate. So I don't think he could be any clearer to equity market investors to say that we are not going to be happy to see equity markets rally anytime soon until inflation comes down again. But he also gave us the, the one one um, carrot to say, if inflation does come down more quickly, we will ease up on our tightening more quickly. And that really is the key. It was interesting when the questions were asked about whether the U.S. can actually avoid a recession. He seemed to think that you know the strong jobs market can can really keep the U.S. out of a recession. If you take a look at you know the dots are five point one percent for next year for the medium forecast, four point six percent unemployment rate. Is does that does that work out the math for you? Can the U.S. still avoid a recession? Well, this forecast is a lot better than what we saw in March, where we had this immaculate disinflation, where no movement in the unemployment rate brought the inflation rate down. Um, this one is a lot more realistic. And, and again, it depends on how spending behaves in the economy over time. If people ease up on their spending, inflation pressures will ease off, wage demands will ease off, and, and we will see a disinflation much more rapid than before. And we may not even see the 4.6% unemployment they're projecting for the next three years. But I think it can go very easily the other way. We can go to 5% or above 5% unemployment if we see wages and, and, and prices recalcitrant and not behaving the way the Fed is hoping it would. Bill, let's talk a little bit about China uh, because they are actually linked. Uh, it's possible that if China opens fast and things go a certain direction, that that adds to the inflation problem. But I'd rather not focus on that so much at the moment. One of our other headline stories today is is the comments from the CEO of ASML about how his company has already done enough in terms of restricting uh, exports to China. It seems like it's setting up a little bit of a battle between the Netherlands government, the company, and the U.S. Um, how do you see this moving? Yeah, this is this is one of the biggest problems facing the Biden administration is to get our allies to be on the side of putting pressure on on China and be more competitive with China and trying to preserve intellectual property rights. Uh, and 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 because the Europeans are so dependent on China trade, especially the Germans and and ASML in particular, uh, really needs to have very effective. Uh, trade relations with Taiwan, uh, their main their main customer for their, their equipment. And China right now is the main customer for a lot of the advanced chips made by TSMC. So so the, 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 the Biden administration is working very hard to get Netherlands, Germany, and all of the European allies to be on our side. Unfortunately, their pocketbooks are pulling them toward China. And that's a tension we, we're not going to see resolved very quickly. And you add that to what is looking to be an increasingly bumpy sort of reopening story in China as well. I mean, we have, you know, government meetings that are sometimes on, sometimes off, given the COVID <laughs> spikes and, and whatnot. Should I just assume that supply chain log jams and all that are going to continue for next year? That's my presumption, actually. I, I, I think the, the, the first thing we will see in China is what we're already seeing is a, a huge outbreak in cases of COVID. And that will essentially you know, put workers out of, out of work for quite some time. And, and the supply chains will not be restored as quickly as we are anticipating. What, what also we're not going to see is much help from China in terms of helping the global economy as a local motive for growth the way it was before. Uh, China's growth may uh, register 5 or 6% uh, growth domestic demand. 
but their demand for imports, I think, will be very limited. Um, and their ability to help on the inflation front by fixing supply chains, as you say, because of these yeah. off and on kind of kind of events would, would also be limited. But, Bill, let's finish on a positive note. Uh, it, it seems to be a positive that uh, we, we have some evidence now that the Chinese government is really listening to the people and that they got the message that the people were not comfortable with these tight restrictions on COVID. And this is really the most hopeful development I've seen in, in almost a, a decade of, yeah. of uh, CCP rule. I mean, the fact that they are responding in a way that is not similar to how they responded to Hong Kong is a, a huge uh, uh, improvement. But what I'm suspicious of is their, their other uh, uh, backhanded way of uh, improving relations with uh, Soviet uh, with uh, Putin. Um, you know, it, it's almost like one hand giveth and one hand taketh away. Uh, as long as he as China supports Putin, the the difficulties that Europe faces with the the, the war and the shortages caused by the war are going to persist, and that will just keep the inflation problem even worse for Europe and the rest of the world. All right, Bill, thanks very much for joining us. Always a pleasure. William Lee, chief economist at Milken Institute. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio.